Unparalleled Studios. Foster Care Nation, listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. back to foster care an unparalleled journey with jason and not amanda today she had important stuff to take care of again and so i am left here doing the super hard work of sitting down and talking to people while she does all that easy stuff like take care of kids and and all that other stuff you know so i'll just have to suffer through all the hard work that she's making me do today and sit here and talk with a guest today we have for you a young man by the name of darius kimberling Hey. All right. Hey, Darius. How you doing today, man? Hey, Jason. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Out here chasing, like I said, this hard work of of doing the stuff that dad does when mom's not home and the kids are all gone. Don't tell her it's not really hard work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm glad uh, glad I get to get to be on your podcast today and uh, uh, get to chat with you a little bit. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, man, we're glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about how, what your connection with foster care is, how, how you became involved. Okay. Uh, well, my, uh, my involvement with foster care right now is uh, I, uh, I'm a foster parent. Um, uh, we've been, me and my wife have been fostering for about, uh, about four or five years now. And, uh, and uh, one of the reasons that uh, we decided to do foster care was uh, because I, I uh, grew up uh, actually in the foster care system. Uh, when I was uh, about four years old, um, I was put, in, put into care by my, uh, my, by my mother. And uh, I ended up uh, uh, being in a foster care in Lubbock, Lubbock Texas. And I, I was in foster care for about uh, five or six months there. Um, and uh, I figured out the the system, and uh, kind of figured out that if I if I misbehave uh, and, and act and acted like uh, 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 some of the some of the guys that I had seen in my my mother's life growing up uh, as a young young kid, that uh, that uh, I wouldn't last long in that foster home. So after about six months, I ended up uh, moving back back uh, in with my mom and uh, she had me for about another for about two months and then uh, eventually I was back into care and ended up uh, uh, spending 13 years uh, with my permanent foster parents and I actually aged out uh, foster care in 2008 uh, so uh, uh, all together I've been uh, been in uh, in foster care in for for 25 25 uh, 26 years Man, you don't find many people who have a career that lasts that long these days. And you've been attached <laughs> to it for that long? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It it, uh, it was definitely a journey for sure. For sure. Uh, and uh, it, it was tough, but uh, I'm definitely grateful for for, for that. Uh, and I, I, I'm grateful now, maybe not during during the time that I was in it, uh, but uh, but for sure now and also for for. And being a foster parent, and I, I probably wouldn't have been a foster parent if I if I hadn't been in, been been in it myself. Uh, uh, so uh, it, it's it's been a journey, been a journey. Yeah, well, it's great to see that you know somebody who has been through a hard thing has come out the other side and decided to go and make it a little bit better and and work on it yourself because so many of us can sit down and talk about why this system is wrong, why the political system we're working with is just wrong and or, or the religious institutes are doing it wrong or or foster care is, is doing it wrong and we can all sit around and preach about how there's a better way. But not many yeah. of us are willing to get up and do it. Right, right. And, you know, I think, I think a, a, a lot of it uh, – after I aged out and, and ended up deciding to be a, be a foster parent, you know, I learned a lot about myself through the, through the training. And, and, and also I was, I was upset with my foster parents because, 
you know, I, I didn't know what they were going through the rule, you know, they've got a bunch of rules and all this stuff. I didn't know. So, so as I was taking my, my foster care care uh, training to be a foster parent, I actually, uh, uh, understood my, my foster parents and, and it, it helped me, uh, come to, to, to forgive, uh, some of the things that, that they had to do in order to keep me in, in, in their, in their family. Uh, so it, it was kind of closure for me, uh, uh, going through that. So, uh, I, I, I think that it, it, it definitely, it definitely grew me as, as a, as a person, uh, you know, to accept, uh, uh some of the stuff that I had gone through. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because a, a lot of folks don't realize those rules and, and I've had some kids who got mad about this, that, or the other thing. And, they forget sometimes that uh, not only they're just a crap ton of rules, but those rules change by by the day. Sometimes it seems, <laughs> so we don't yeah, always know yeah. what those rules are, and you know we we don't oftentimes um, know how to uh, how to explain that to kids. That like this really is a rule that I have to follow, not a rule like you have in class when you're in school. This is a rule like a judge is enforcing, and I'm not about to mess with that guy. Right, right, yeah, and and it's understandable. I mean, and I've got a great respect for for my foster parents and and for for foster parents that 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 do it. You know, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole lot of work that we don't always realize what we're staring at. We don't always know exactly what's coming at us. And you know, we recently there was a big rule change. I think it's called the prudent parenting rules, which actually made life a lot easier for us. Meaning that, mm-hmm. well, for a lot of things, I can take a kid and do it if it's the sort of thing that I would do with my kid. Now, I think sometimes, like a minor haircut, I can't take a, I can't take a, a little girl with hair down, you know, halfway down her back and shave her head bald. But if, if she needs a split ends trimmed, it's not a big deal if if we do that. If I want the kids to go stay the night with my with my uh, family member or something, I they can stay with somebody that that's approved. That's not not a a sex offense, like all that common sense stuff, right? You wouldn't want to send your kids with that. And that's kind of the the way that they run those rules. Now it makes it way easier than it used to be. But with all those rules changes, it gets difficult to follow that a lot of times. And kids just don't get it because yeah, yeah. when you're a kid, you want what you want, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I I remember, uh, uh, I was probably 14, 15 years old and I wasn't old enough to, to stay home by myself. So I had a, a, a 16, 17 year old person babysitting me, you know what I mean? Uh, and this is back in the day. I know, I know things have changed a lot, but you know, I never understood that, you know, and, and it is, it, it's about safety of the kids and all that. And I, and it, and I'm glad the rules have kind of changed a little bit in that department, you know? Uh, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the rules have changed a lot and, and uh, for the better. It's a little bit scary to think that a 16 or 17 year old would be legally allowed to watch a 15 year old. Cause I don't know about you, but when I was 17, I wasn't much smarter than I was at 15. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, no but, offense uh, to any of my 17 year old friends out there, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was a dumb 17 year old. <laughs> Weren't we all? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it till many years later, but yes, indeed. Yes, I was. The fact that I survived that era of my life is just a testament to God's grace, I think. Right, right. Well, man, I know, um, you know, kind of like I, I got off into some hobbies and some stuff, making some stuff it, it, just as a way to, to fulfill some of that, that desire to go do stuff and make something and a way to just fill my time with something that filled my soul a while back. And that took me off into metalwork and, and hammering on stuff and ended up in a TV show and all kinds of cool stuff. And it was just a lot of amazing stuff that came out of chasing some of my own creativity and some of my own dreams. And I know that you aren't necessarily so much of a, a metal worker, but but you got off into the woodworking hobby, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I uh, I, I started a company uh, in 2017. It's called uh, Out of the Woods. And I, I at at the beginning, I was making um, uh, closing gifts for my wife. Uh, she was a realtor. And whenever she'd close on a house, uh, I'd make gifts for her. And, you know, uh, it, it was fun. It was fun, but it, it, it didn't fulfill, uh, my passion of, 
And I've all ever since I was I was a, a young kid, I, I remember thinking to myself, man, I, I wish that there was there was somebody that that had had been through what I've been through and somebody I could talk to about it. And, and, um, uh, and, and I know now it's a little different, but back, back in, back when I was in, in care, I thought I was the only kid on the planet earth that was in foster care. Uh, now you can get online and watch YouTube videos and all that stuff. But back in the day, I, I thought I was, I thought I was the only, only one. I, I thought I was alone. Uh, I, I grew up in, in a small town, uh, uh, three or four small towns. So, and, and I felt like, uh, I felt like I, I, I just didn't fit in, you know, I, I, I did not fit in. And so anyways, I, I, uh, I, after I, we got into the foster care and we, uh, uh, got our first kid, I was trying to figure out a way, uh, cause you know, when he first came, a lot of, a lot of trauma, he was scared, uh, didn't didn't know how to express himself um uh and a lot of these kids and not in and for me a uh, way to express myself was uh was to 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 yell to scream uh and a lot uh, most of the time I would just close myself in I wouldn't I wouldn't talk uh wouldn't express myself and 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 uh in one way that I that I uh growing up that I found, found a way to express myself was through artwork. Uh, I love to paint, uh, draw, uh, artwork and also basketball. I, I love to play basketball. If I was having a bad day or something, I would go outside and shoot baskets. Uh, uh, I'd spend hours outside shooting baskets. Um, so, so, so basketball and art are, are two, are two ways that, uh, that I, uh, uh, how do you say it? Uh, cope. That was uh, that was two of my coping skills growing up. So so uh, so after I going back to, to 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 my son, I was trying to figure out how he could cope. And one way I found found that out was I started I made him a mini wooden basketball goal, um, and uh, uh, and we me and him sat down and we and we painted it. I let him design it. And, and granted, he was he was three years old. Uh, three and a half years old. I asked my son. I said, "How? How? Uh, who's your favorite basketball player?" And he said, "Dad." He said, "Michael Jordan." And you know, I'm thinking, "How, how do you even know Michael Jordan?" You know. And uh, he, he said, he, "He's been. He 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 would watch me watch TV and uh, watch uh, old film on Michael Jordan. I was coaching a basketball team at the time." And anyways, he said, I want Michael Jordan here. I want your logo here. I want my name across here. But basically designed the whole deal, got real creative with it. And, and we sat down and me and him just started painting. And as you as he was painting, he started opening up about about things from his past. And and, uh, and, and granted, he was three and a half years old, but I learned so much from him during that, that time that we sat down and got creative. And, and there's something about painting for me, at least I'm relaxed. I, I feel like I can open up a little bit. Um, so anyways, I, 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 after we got done with that, I, there was so much joy in my heart, you know, I, I, I and I know there was so much joy in, in, in my son's heart for, for being creative. And, you know, when you, you start something and you finish it and there's, there's some, there's a joy about seeing the finished product. Uh, so, so, uh, after, after me and him, him made that backboard, we posted it online and, and, uh, had several orders and, uh, and fast forward to, to, to now about six months ago, I, uh, I partnered with uh, Emerald Angels, which is a, a local nonprofit. Well, they're national. It's a national organization. There's a chapter here in Amarillo, but I, we I partnered with with them, and uh, they they've we had a sign up sheet for for uh, for kids to come in and make uh, make backboards, and uh, uh, and what 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 I do is I'll, I'll go. I'll sit with the foster parents. We'll talk to the foster parents. And then after I'll, I'll sit with the, the kids and we'll design a backboard. Uh, I've got a, I've got a laser uh, that, that I use to engrave the backboards uh, and, and just give, give, give them a, a, an outlet where they can sit with me, someone they trust 
and and I and someone that's been through it, and I, I try to encourage them and and, and kind of help guide them as they as they grow up, and uh, and after they after they go home, let's say that they go home, they can take their backboards with them and can remember the the time that that was spent on that backboard, and it gives them something to, to take home also if they go go back home to the to their uh, biological parents. Um, uh, so, so, and, 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 uh, we had a sign up sheet, uh, uh, and 46 kids just here in Amarillo signed up, uh, to do the, to do the program, uh, and, and, and everything's paid for and, and, uh, and they don't have to spend a dime. Uh, it'll just be an experience for them. And, and it's, it's something that I wish I could have had, uh, uh, when I was growing up, like I said, I thought, I thought I was the only one one that was in foster care, you know? Well, that's what I was wondering. You take those, those 46 kids all showed up together, right? Uh, well, we had an event, uh, back to school event that the Emerald angels, uh, have every year. Um, they, 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 uh, service the, the, the foster families here in Emerald and give them school supplies and stuff. And I had a, I had a booth set up and the kids, and I brought several of my backboards up there and it, man, it, the kids came up, we shot, they, they don't want to be, they're not in the position that they exactly want to be in, you know? And, you know, once, once we started playing, uh, she, their, their confidence was built up while we were playing. Uh, like, uh, I was playing horse with one kid and at the end of it, he was flexing on me and, 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 you know, you, you could tell he was enjoying himself. And I, I, I'm hoping that's what, that's what the backboards will bring uh, to these kids, you know. Well, if you want to boost your confidence, you need a guy like me there, because I suck <laughs> at basketball. <laughs> hey, that's hard. Well, I'm telling you, man, these rims are hard to make it on too. It's hard. It takes a lot of practice. <laughs> and I suck at a standard one, so I'd be in all kinds of trouble. But I've learned yeah. one thing in life: I'm okay with messing up. I don't care if kids watch me or not. It gives them something to laugh about. Right. Right. Yes, yeah. sir. Okay, citizens of Foster Care Nation, we want to hear from you. We want to hear any stories that you'd like to share with us, anything that might be funny, inspiring, touching, heartfelt, all of those things. That's what people love to hear. So why don't you send us some of your stories? You can reach us at our voicemail line at 413-FOSTER-3. Again, that's 413-FOSTER-3. Now, we're going to assume that if there's any privacy rules that you need to follow, you've already followed them and changed any names that need to be changed because we will play some of this on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, this voicemail has a limit of about, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. So anything longer than that, just contact me at jason at fostercarenation.com and we can sit down and talk about your whole story. Yeah, it turns out that they feel that connection, and you know, and, and you, you talked about you know having that that experience with your own son, right? And that's that's an important thing for a kid to be able to have those connections because, as it turns out, I learned something from my children. I learned a lot of things from my children. One of the most important lessons I've learned is, at a very young age, you can kind of control them. You know, you can reach down and pick them up and go, "You're going this way." Uh, you know, you, you don't have to you don't have to ask their permission to do a whole lot. You control a whole lot of their life. Well, you think you do anyways. Um, if you have a crafty enough two-year-old, <laughs> you don't control as much as you think you do. But, you know, that's pretty quick that control runs out. And what, do you, right. what you're left with, the only thing you're left with for the next dozen or more years is influence. And it's your ability to influence that life that really starts to matter. It's the only thing that you have in that world for those kids is your influence. And I can only imagine that you really had, had are building those opportunities to influence lives in a way that yeah. will change how they choose to behave as opposed to just trying to control every decision they make. Right, right. And, and, that, and that's, that's, uh, that's, I'm glad you talked about uh, the choices. And, and that's one thing about, about art. Uh, for me is because I, I can, I can draw what it, there's no control in what I draw. It's my decision. And I feel like with the, with some of these kids, they feel like they don't have control in their life, you know, and the, and artwork gives them uh, a little bit of control, you know, 
you know, and with the choices too, I do this with my son. Uh, when it's time to go to bed, he, he, he'd get upset with me, you know, ah, get, let me stay up 30 more minutes or whatever. I said, if you make the ball in the backboard, I said, you can stay up 30 minutes late later. And he had the choice. He was going to shoot and he'd shoot. He'd miss. He'd have to go to bed. Well, the choice was his. He's not mad at me. We're all good. You see what I'm saying? It, so it's kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say discipline tool, but it, 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 it does. It helps with, with, uh, with giving him control to make his own decisions. You know what I mean? I just have to ask, do you have a special bedtime basket that maybe has a slightly undersized bed? <laughs> I put the rubber rim on there for him. <laughs> no, it, it's hard. It's hard to make. But uh, after I told him that the next day, he was up early practicing for that shot that night. <laughs> You know, yeah, but, but uh, he doesn't know us as a dad. You figured all that stuff out, and and tonight <laughs> we're just going to tell you, you got to go to bed thirty minutes early. So when you get the thirty minutes extra, we're still about the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so if but, this uh, is twenty years from now, and one of my kids happens to stumble across this recording, yeah, yeah, that's we do that kind of stuff as dads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And twenty years from now, you should too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yep <laughs> well hopefully they'll still have the backboard that uh that they made and they could share it with their 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 kids like i said these backboards they they last a lifetime they're heavy duty made out of plywood um, metal rims everything so they, i'm hoping that they'll keep these for a lifetime you know i've seen your facebook page where i've seen a lot uh some some pictures of what you're making and it does definitely look different than the one backboard that, that hangs off of the the door in our living room that's made out of, I don't know, a quarter-inch plastic with cheap plastic hooks that go over the top of the door that right now I think one of them is broken, so it hangs at about a 30-degree angle, and uh, they still throw things to try and throw balls in it, I think, just to annoy me with the sound of banging off the wall. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about something that's, that's going to last, and they look good. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. And they're designed by the kids, and – and uh, I'll give the I'll give the foster parents an opportunity on the back of the board to to write a little message or whatever that 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 uh, something a quote or something that that's close to their heart that that they want for their for their 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 kids to 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 have in their heart uh, forever also, and I'll engrave that in the back of the backboards too. So that's amazing, man. That's amazing. And like I said yeah. before, I love this idea that you saw something that you think you thought needed to be changed. You saw a place where you could step in that matched with your skill set and your drive and your desire, and you went ahead and said, yeah, hey, let's let's go do a thing and actually make some change in lives. Right, right. Well, you know, it, it, it may not matter now, but I, I guarantee in, in, in five, ten years, uh, we'll see it in, in some of these kids how, how, uh, how, how it could, could change them, like you said. Yes, yeah. sir. Now, if, if I remember right, you grew up without a, without a steady father, without, well, I'll, I'll rephrase that to get it right. You grew up without your biological father as, as a steady father figure in your home, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So that everybody I talk to, man, that, that father wound tends to run super deep. I was actually, I'm reading a book now that was recommended to me by a, a psychologist. Um, and it's, uh, what is it? It's called from wild man to wise man. And there's an entire section of this book that's devoted to um, what he labels as father hunger and the father wound, right? Wanting to have a father, wanting to have that dad who steps into your life. And so many times you don't need to be in foster care or something like that for for a lot of these guys, men who have grown up without that father figure in their life and they're struggling for that. Or maybe you did have a father figure in your life who wasn't such an awesome guy, right? Not a not a good human. Maybe did not have that right example in his life. Had his own levels of trauma that was never dealt with, and, and we're always dealing with with some of those things. And again, I'll say this. I've said this before, and I will say it again. I am not mad at my dad. I had a great relationship with my dad, but there were a few things that he was kind of a bonehead on. Um, mm-hmm. And my kids will say the same thing. We, 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 we all have some of that stuff, and so we, we have to work through that as adults. And you're given this opportunity to these kids to find somebody who may not be, a, you know, you're, well, hopefully you're not there, all of their biological fathers, or you got a lot of child support to pay. <laughs> but, you know, you have, that, you, you have this opportunity to fill that role. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. You can kind of fill some of that father hunger that they that they feel today and help them to begin to heal some of that wound that they've had, you know, that, that I know that, that you've had yourself as, you know, was that a driving force for you, knowing that, that you didn't have that, that exact same thing in your life? Or, or was uh, was that part of your decision to, to really reach out and become a father, a foster father yourself and, and help with some other foster kids? Yeah, yeah, it, it actually was uh, was one of the main uh, driving forces for, for me. I, I remember uh, uh, just wondering who who my dad was uh, growing up, and I, I remember I, I even uh, lived in a in a fantasy world in my head where uh, Michael Jordan was actually my dad, and I used to tell myself that. You know, it w- it was definitely an issue for me. I and and one thing too was I always told myself I'm not going to be the dad that my dad was. I think that's what that's what pushed me to want to help these kids and, uh, and and be there for them. I mean, show them how to be grow up and, and be a be a man or, or, or a woman that that uh, that that they can be. You know, you, you look at the, the statistics for, for foster kids that, that become homeless uh, after they after they age out. It's, uh, it's overwhelming. It hurts to see that. And if there's anything that I can do to help, uh, I want to do it. I've got a lot of love for these 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 kids. They're, they're my people. I see myself in, in, in them whenever I look at them. Yeah, and they, they have that opportunity to, to hear your story and be able to build that connection with you and see that you have gone from the young boneheaded kid who was making dumb decisions <laughs> Um, much like they're tempted to do at that age because it's just part of who we are. I'm not mad at, at kids or foster kids or teenagers in general. At least most days I'm not mad at teenagers in general. <laughs> but, but you know, we were all boneheaded teenagers at some point or another. But to see somebody who looks like them, who sounds like them, who who understands what they're going through because most kids think, man, you don't know what I'm going through. And most of the time we don't. You know, mm-hmm. I try I try to always remember that as, as we talk to kids about stuff. I, I can tell somebody, I, mean, I know what you're going through. And viscerally, I do not. Intellectually, I might think I do. Like, I know, I know there's this thing, like your body's going through all this change. So your hormones are out, out of the, the, the park right now. They're out, they're out to play. And so you don't even know how to control yourself emotionally, let alone all the, the hormonal raging stuff going on inside of you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, like scientifically that's what's happening in your body in your head right now i know that you you might be away from your family i know that that's going to be hard i know that you dealt with some stuff and you don't trust people i know all those parts and pieces but i don't know what it's like to be in your skin and, and yeah you hit a you hit a hit, a, hit on a good point there the the trust i, I think uh, and that that was one one growing up for me. That's that's one reason why I, I wouldn't open myself up is because I, I didn't trust people. Um, you know, I I, uh, I I remember being being doing something that that I knew wasn't right, or I would make a mistake, and I would hear people say, you know, uh, it's because he was he was a foster kid. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he he's on he's acting out because uh, he, he's in he's in foster care. You know what I mean? And at that point, I, I wouldn't even trust myself. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know why I was I was acting like this. And I and I for sure thought that there wasn't anybody else that knew. You know, and 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 if 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 I would have had somebody that that I knew and, and trusted, um, I I would have been a lot more open. And and I'm gonna be honest. I I whenever I met my my wife, we've been married for eight years. I didn't tell her I was in foster care for. It took me about six months to a year before I would even tell her. And, and a lot of it was because I, I didn't want her to, to, to feel bad for me for, for being a foster care. I, I was ashamed of it. And I, and I didn't want that to be a, a reason that uh, a reason that, that she was with me. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the one word in there that makes even the craziest thing in the world makes sense is that word shame, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, and I didn't want, uh, I didn't want her to think that uh, since I was in, fo- I, I thought she may leave me since I was in foster care, just like uh, my, my mom did. Um, and then uh, my first foster parents, like I, uh, like I said, I, I, I felt like if I invested my whole self in her, there was a chance that she could leave. 
So I have to ask, where is it along the line that you figured out that you had some value and worth that didn't involve like defining yourself as a foster kid that meant that Darius Kimberling is, is a good dude and that's just who he is. And it has nothing to do with all those little external labels that everybody's put on you for your entire lifetime. Where were you? What was it? That, what's the catalyst to make you say, hey, I have some value. I'm worth something. I can make a difference in this world. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a little, it was later in life. I was probably about 20, 22 years old. And that's, that's actually when I did, uh, meet, meet my, my wife. Um, and, and, uh, I, I made, I made a lot of bonehead mistakes, uh, in our, in the beginning of our relationship and she never, she, she never left. Okay. So at that point, at that point, when I knew that she was invested in me, that's when my mind switched over to, I'm not, I'm not a foster kid anymore. I am, a, a, a boyfriend later to become a fiance later to become a husband. And that was my role. Okay. So once I, once I got that role, I, I felt like I had developed into the person that I wanted to be, which was a, uh, was a great husband to my wife. And then uh, down the road after that, it was to be a, a great dad for my, for my son also. And I think, I think that's kind of, I, I, I say this all the time to to my wife. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it if it wasn't for your love and for your acceptance, and and uh, uh, so I, I think that's kind of where where it where it turned for me. Um, and then and then once I got my career, uh, my focus was on uh, my career uh, and, and and how to be successful in, in, in my career also. So. Uh, and, and, and that, that there's, there's uh, several things when I meet with these kids, uh, the kids that, that, that I meet with for the backboards, there's, there's five things that, that I kind of like to, to uh, give them some uh, encouragement and some guidance on and some focus on, on uh, these, these five things. Uh, uh, and and uh, I wouldn't mind talking about them with you if, if that's all right with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The first thing that that I like to tell the kids is uh, obviously you're not alone. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, kids that that are in your your same situation. So I, I don't want them to feel to feel like uh, they're alone. Uh, like I said, growing up, I, I thought I was the only one uh, that was in foster care, and, and, it, and it, it, it was lonely. Uh, a lot of my childhood, uh, uh, even though I had friends, uh, I wore a mask. Um, uh, uh, to, to hide the, the fact uh, that I was in foster care. I remember when I aged out of foster care, actually, and I, I ended up going to college, uh, my foster parents uh, helped me move into my apartment, okay? And uh, uh, I had a couple guys over there, uh, my, my roommates, and they asked me, they said, uh, who, who, who are those people uh, that helped you move, move your stuff in? Okay. And, uh, I told him, I said, well, uh, it was, a it was a pastor from, from, uh, from my church. And a lot of it had to do with was, uh, that I was ashamed and I, I thought I was alone in, in, in that situation. I didn't, I didn't want them to know. So I, I, I carried that all the way up until, until, uh, until recently, uh, that I'm beginning to share my story. And, uh, uh, so I so I held that in. I wasn't lying though. My dad, my foster dad, was a pastor, so I wasn't lying. But I wasn't being truthful for me and truthful uh, to myself and and to them. Also, you you can ask any of my friends at, at college, and and a hundred percent of them don't even know that I was in 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 care. Um. So it's not, and I want I want them to know it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not your fault. That, that's the main thing. Uh, my, my mom, she, she, uh, she put me in, uh, in care, uh, voluntarily, uh, which is very rare, very rare for, for, for a mother to put their kids in voluntarily. And I held, I held a grudge against my mom. I held that against her, uh, uh for a very long time, uh, until actually I got my, uh, my redacted, uh, paperwork, uh, from, from being in foster care. Uh, that's when I realized that that it was the the, the best decision my mom could have made for me and, and my siblings. It was the best decision she could have made. It was the most selfish decision she could have. And now I respect her for that. Uh, it was 
uh, being in, in care and, and, and some of the, 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 the things that my mother was doing was generational, generational behavior. And, you know, I, I was so mad at my mom for that for a very long time, you know? Yeah. So do you have a, a quick rundown on the list of five things? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're not alone. Um, and one thing for me was, uh, was focus on, on, on Christ. If, if, if your fail led to that, um, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, 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 uh, have a father and I, I ended up uh, turning to, uh, Jesus as, as my father and, and, uh, how to, to behave and some of my characteristics. Uh, I, I tried to follow, uh, what, what's written in the Bible. I think that's important. Uh, give, give, give them something to, to, uh, to believe in, uh, and, and that hope that comes with it. Um, another thing also is, uh, uh, to, to, to start building relationships, uh, with, with people. That was one, one thing that, that I, I struggled with was, uh, building relationships. Um, uh, a lot of it was, uh, I didn't trust people. Uh, and, and, and I, I really want to encourage kids to, 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 to put their, to, to be themselves and, and build, uh, build, Build, start early uh, building relationships uh, with their foster parents. Uh, like when we had the Emerald Angels come to our house, uh, a lot of our foster kids they would they would uh, talk with them and, and open up. Uh, so so basically opening up um, uh, to to build relationships with people. Uh, I think that's uh, very important for them. It's, it's important for me, and, and even to this day, uh, I try to build as many relationships as I can. And then another one also is, uh, uh, is try to forgive. Uh, forgiveness is, is important. Uh, I think it's uh, to forgive. It's for yourself, even though uh, your parents, the parents, uh, their biological parents may not have done the, 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 the right things, but uh, you never know the, the, the situation that they were in. Uh, so I would just ask them to, to forgive as often as they can. Um, and another one is to trust, trust your foster parents because they, they, they put in a lot of work. There's a lot that that's involved. You know, that with, with being a foster parent, um, I feel that's important to, to build a, build a, a strong relationship, uh, and, and parents too, to build a relationship with, with the kids also. Whenever I, uh, growing up, I remember I, I would, uh, if, if I did something wrong, I thought it was the end of the world. I thought I was going to get sent somewhere else. You know what I mean? And uh, I always, I always tell if my son does something wrong, I'll say, Hey, you know, we all make mistakes and I'll even give him an example of a, of a mistake that, that I made that day uh, to let him know that mistakes happen. We, everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes the rest of your life. And, 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 and kind of get, let the kids get to know you, uh, in a, in a personal level. And I think they'll open up a little bit more, uh, to you also. Um, and, and another thing too, uh, the last thing that, that I like to, to talk to the kids about is to, is to find someone that's, that's successful in whatever, whatever, uh, career or anything they want to be with, be in and, and, and follow them and get, get some guidance from them also. Uh, my the boss that I work that I that I work for now. Uh, whenever I started working there, my I, I didn't have uh, confidence uh, in what I was doing, and uh, he actually uh, trained me. and And he, he's a, he's he's very successful, and he he he's taught me what it takes to be successful. Um, hard work is one of them, and uh, uh, so so that that's that's the that's the things that that I kind of like to. Uh, to talk to the kids about, uh, just give them hope and encouragement. Yeah. I, I could probably go on for about a half an hour on each one of those, you know, yeah. um, uh, uh, on those mistakes, right. Uh, and being okay with that. You know, you said everybody's going to make a mistake and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm pretty certain I, the only people I know who ain't made any mistakes yet today. Well, they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way you're gonna make it through without making some mistakes, man. You, you just you can't you can't get through without that. You know the the power of the, those relationships and building relationships. I mean, whether you know it or not, we're all doing it to some extent. And I think it's Jim Rohn who said you are the average of the five people that that are your closest relationships, and you know that that's going to tell you who you're going to be. You don't get to you don't get to choose that unless you choose the people that you build those relationships with. 
and actually build yes, healthy ones. Because healthy ones, exactly. The, yeah, the unhealthy relationships are easy to build. It's usually those folks that, that are going to lead you down the wrong path. And the biggest one, though, is, is that forgive piece. You know, what does that mean for you when you talk about forgiving? Well, what does that mean in your life to, to actually forgive somebody? For me, it makes things right. I feel like forgiveness makes things right for yourself and for the other person. Like I said, I, I, I had this deep hurt that my mom had caused me, and it wouldn't allow me to be the person that I wanted to be. It wouldn't allow me to build a relationship because I, I thought that I was going to end up getting hurt. And once I forgave my mom and, and my, my foster families for some, my foster parents for, for things that they did that they had to do and going through the, going through the, the, the uh, training, I figured out was what they had to do. Uh, I, and I forgave them. I forgave my mom. It, it just gives, it gives me peace, peace of mind. That's the main thing. Even if it's not for the, for the other person, uh, for yourself, you, you've got to forgive people. You can't hold grudges. It'll cloud, it'll cloud your brain. It'll cloud your cloud. Everything you do. I feel like. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's learning how to forgive people was, it took me a long time because people always use that phrase, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And it, I finally figured out that I was supposed to draw a line through part of that. Forgive doesn't mean forget. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I worked with a guy who was, um, I think he had an addiction issue and I didn't know it at the time. And, and I had loaned the guy $200 and back in the late nineties, $200 was a substantial amount of money, especially for a kid in high school. And I'm just going to say, I'm waiting for him to come back into town because that $200 I sent him so he could get a bus fare and get home. He never came back. And I'm going to tell you, if he showed back up, I I'm certain I, you know, by now in life, I have forget how to, how to forgive him. I, I don't expect him to pay that back at all anytime soon or ever, but I'm not going to forget that lesson. The next guy who's, who's out of town somewhere and, and calls me all sound a half crazy looking for money to try and get home. Um, especially if it's the same dude, I'm not going to forget what happened. I'm going to remember, oh, oh yeah, wait a second. You you probably shouldn't loan money to that you can't afford to lose to somebody who's you know a drug addict and, and in a bad spot because um, forget doesn't mean forgive. You right, remember the yeah. lessons you learned, but you don't exactly. hold on to expecting them to pay that debt, and that's what forgiveness has always meant to me. I don't expect him to pay me back ever. He he taught me a lesson that was probably worth that two hundred dollars back in the nineties because because well, <laughs> that saved me a lot of trouble over the years. I learned that lesson. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Now you said you you have a list of things you'd like to talk with the foster parents about as well at these events. Yes, yes, sir. Yep. Um, uh, some of the things that uh, that I I. I wished uh, I, I, my foster parents would have done a little different. Get to know your kids. I know, and it, I know for some foster parents, uh, it's it's hard um, because you never know if they're going to be there or not. It's it's, it's tough. I, I remember when when we we got into the foster care, uh, doing foster care ourselves, me and my wife. I remember one of family members said, it, "It's just going to be so hard." Uh, to allow myself to be open with them, knowing that that they could be gone. Not only, be, not only, I think the main reason was because it would hurt them worse seeing that kid go away, uh, seeing them, and I think it would hurt them more than than it would if if they got to know the kid. You see what I mean? You see what I'm saying? Oh um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I encourage the parents uh, to get to know their kids, um, get, get, ask them questions, uh, let them get to know you, tell them some, some stuff about your past, uh, uh, stuff like that. Sit down and, and, and really, really communicate with, with your kids. I think that's so important. Like for me growing up, uh, when it was me and my, my foster, foster dad, uh, it was, it was kind of quiet. Uh, and I, I really didn't know that much about them, you know, and I lived with them for 13 years, but I didn't know as much as I feel like a, a, a son and a father should know about each other. You, you know what I mean? And, and that's something that I, I wish I, I would have. And, and some of it may have been my fault also, you know, because I, I sure didn't want to open up either. Um, 
but uh, I think that's important. I think it's important to do that. Um, another thing is uh, uh, understand understand the kids' culture. Um, I'm uh, I'm half half white and half black, uh, and my my foster parents were uh, were were white. Um, and uh, I remember one time, and I was probably a, a junior in high school. I remember uh, I had gotten in trouble at, at school, and I, 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 at the time I wanted to grow my hair out. I've got I've got curly. Some of my hair is curly, some of it's straight. It 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 just goes everywhere. But uh, at the time, I I, I loved I loved rap music, and a lot of my my, my favorite rappers uh, 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 had had afros and cornrows and all that stuff. And I remember I, I got in trouble at school one time, and I came home, and uh, my punishment was uh, they uh, my foster dad shaved my head, and uh, it, it really. Uh, lowered my self-esteem because I, I wanted to be like the African-Americans and, and black, black rappers that, that I had seen. And, and to me, I, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with that. There, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't anything at school that said I couldn't do that. Uh, uh, but, but uh, it, it, it really, it, I know there's a lot of different cultures out there and this is just, this is just coming from me. And now uh, I'm, I'm going bald right now. I'm bald. Balding, and I remember. I remember when I was first going bald. I I felt like it was punishment uh, for punishment from from uh, God uh, because I, I had bald hair, and it, it really affected uh, affected me uh, quite a bit as an adult. Um, if that makes any sense. Well, it wouldn't from where I come from, <clears throat> because it was for me. Hair was never much of an issue at all. Um, I didn't get any choices. My mama cut my hair because, well, we were poor and <laughs> I had zero options on hair. It was decided for me, but I understand that now. And, um, you know, one of our, well, one of our little guys, um, he, he's got just an, a glorious Afro. Um, I think we cut his hair at two, two years old. He's just about to turn eight. It's the only haircut he's ever had. And, um, it is. I mean, when he steps out of the swimming pool, his hair goes down almost to his butt. It's just an incredible well, little head full of hair. And, and he yeah. expressed some desire to change it, change his hair some. He didn't want to cut it off, but he really wanted it to get it braided or, or something. So we've done uh, we've done cornrows a couple times. Right now he's rocking the box braids. Uh, but Ooh, but it's amazing how much that, that means to him. And, exactly. And we, let, let's be real honest. He's lived in our house for all of his memorable life. He came to our place at one. And so mm -hmm. even though that's, that's the, the culture he's grown up in, it doesn't mean it's the only culture he's aware of. And so we, we do try and try and keep with some of that. You know, we, one of, um, Oh, it's a family friend. We'll just call her that because we want to get into all the, the mechanics of, of who's who it is. Um, they just, he just calls her Nana because, um, because, uh, or Nana, we have a Nana in our house and a Nani, and I, I, yeah, I forget, I lose track of the vowels. Um, but he, he's one of his friends' grandma. Um, although he's not allowed to call her grandma because if if you call her grandma, she'll body slam you, is what his friend told him. <laughs> but she comes over every couple of weeks and, and she'll braid his hair for us because um, these hands right here are way too big to be doing those little be fine braids. And yeah, and so that that's just part of the culture, though. You know, his his dad was his biological father was black as well. And it's mm -hmm. something that, that matters to him. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. The culture mm -hmm. I grew up with was, I mean, hell, just grab a set of clippers, put it on a low setting, and then you're good to go for a couple of weeks. And I don't have to worry about mom cutting my hair on a regular basis and then dealing with whatever I end up looking like there. Because I ain't saying she did a bad job. I'm just saying as a kid, you know, mom cut your hair. It's not going to be cool ever. Right, right. And I understand that. And, and, and that's how it was. But you know, I was 17, 18 years old at the time, you know, whenever, whenever this occurred and I, I, I where I grew up uh, was predominantly uh, mostly white people. And I was just trying to be different, I guess. Well, yeah. Teenage kid trying to be different, right? <laughs> it <laughs> right. happens. Right. That's always made me laugh. It's all, all the teenage kids that I've ever known are all busy trying to look different and be different. And they end up looking just like each other, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, but that's yeah, how they're going to sure. be different by being sure. like every sure. other teen kid they know. Well, what other lessons would, would you, uh, would you 
tell the foster parents because I, you know, getting to know your kids is super important because you don't know this human and, and understanding mm-hmm. their culture. Because if you don't understand where they come from, you ain't never going to understand who they are today. So, what's the next thing you would tell foster parents? Uh, another thing would be uh, to understand uh, some of the the, the trauma uh, that that they've gone through. Uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, five years old and I I went to to my uh, foster parents' house and it was the first the first night that I was there. Uh, my my uh, my foster dad he, he he told me he said hey hey Darius it's time to get ready for bed uh, go brush your teeth uh, and get ready get ready to go to bed. Well. Uh, I, I went to the bathroom and, I, and I, I sat there. I didn't know how to brush my teeth, but I didn't want to admit that. You know what I mean? Uh, I never had a toothbrush, anything like that. I didn't know how to brush my teeth. And, and I remember it, it It turned into this big, big meltdown for me. And of course, you know, my, my, foster, my foster parents didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't have the paperwork that said he's, he's never brushed their teeth. You know, it, I was five years old. That should have been normal. Uh, uh, but I, I didn't know how to do that. And it took it took about an hour and a half. Uh, I remember uh, before I, I ended up admitting, hey, I, I, I don't know how to do this. You know what I mean? And and, and it, it's there's things that 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 the kids are going through that we don't we don't know why they're going through it. We don't know. And I, I think that being patient, like my foster parents did for me, is very important. I think patience with your with the foster kid is so important. So important. 100%. That's, that's the one of the most important lessons I've learned yet, is to learn how to be patient, especially when it's hard to do. Exactly. It, it does get tough. It does get tough. And, and usually, uh, and, and like I, I, I do, the, I tell my wife this all the time when, 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 uh, whenever we, we started getting kids, a lot of the kids would uh, act out towards her. Um, and, and I'd have to tell my wife, I'd say, Hey babe, I said, it, it doesn't have anything to do with you. I said, it has to do with what, what happened before. Most of the, most of the kids, I, I know for a lot of them, uh, they came, they come from a single mother households and, you know, uh, as a kid, you, you don't want your, your mom to be replaced, you know? And, and for a long time, I, I saw my, my foster mother as someone that was going to replace my, my mom. And I would act out more towards her than I, than I would my, uh, my dad. Uh, and, and, and I think, and, and once my wife thought about it and understood it, she, she didn't feel like there was something wrong with her. You, you know what I mean? Yes. My wife and I have had uh, some very similar conversations about, <laughs> about a, especially when it comes to young boys. Young boys act a certain way, and moms rarely understand some of that because they don't know just how crazy we are. Uh, I mean, and they married us, and I still carry a certain level of that crazy into today. Um, but sometimes to sit down and, and some of the things that seem so very simple, just to look at my wife and say, hang on, baby, there's a reason he didn't do what you asked. He's like, what? I told him exactly what I want to do. I said, no, I know you told him, but you told him everything. And then you said his name at the end. And when you said his name, he looked up and you were done talking and you looked down and he never heard a word you said. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say his name first. You need to come over. <laughs> Actually, my, my little one, the one of the, the most valuable things I can say to him if I need him to listen is I say his name. I say Frankie. He'll kind of look up. I'll say eyes. Give me eyes. And he'll come over and put his eyes on me. And once we lock eyes, I'll tell him exactly what I want him to hear. And then we'll move on. And I know he heard me then. But if not, mm-hmm. Frankie has one of those brains that does not stop running. And so if I'm talking to him over here, telling him exactly what I want him to do, and he doesn't know that's what I'm doing, I'm sorry, but right now there's a, a, a ninja battle going on in his head. Um, the Transformers have stopped by for lunch, and he, we may very well be thinking about which cart we're going to race in Mario Kart later on this afternoon, and that's where his brain's at. And if I, don't, if I can't like break that first, he ain't going to hear a word I have to say. But to be able to explain that to him and say, hey, take some patience, take a moment, find your patience, deep breath, realize that he's not trying to be disrespectful. This is not blatant, you know, disrespect. This is mm-hmm. an inability to hear until you have his attention. 
Exactly. Exactly. You got to get the attention first. I'm still, I'm the same way still. <laughs> you and me you know, both. And, and I, and, and one thing too, I, I remember, uh, uh, I would see how some of the men in my mom's life, uh, from zero to four would treat her. And I, I thought that's, that's how it was, you know, that's, that's what I saw. So that's, that's, that's how I acted, you know? And I, and I, I feel like, uh, a lot of kids could relate to that also. Oh yeah. Just the other night we were sitting in here in the office, um, might've been last night and, <laughs> My wife said something. I didn't catch it. And she went outside. And my daughter, who apparently it had something to do with what she wanted to do, she looks at me. She goes, Dad, are you going to go talk to Mom or what? And I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? She's like, she just asked you like five times to come outside and talk to her. I'm like, no, she did <laughs> Yes, she did, Dad. So I'll stand up and walk out front and said, hey, did you just ask me like five times to come outside and talk to you? And she's like, um, yeah. I'm like, I didn't hear one of them. <laughs> I'm yeah, just sitting yeah. out here by a teenage girl, you know, because it had to do with what she wanted to go do, you know, <laughs> everything to do with that. But, but right. even today as a grown ass man, I still struggle with that. And so learning how to, how to either have that patience myself when my kids are in that headspace or to help my wife understand just how, how little it has to do with who she is and it has everything to do with what my mental capabilities in that moment are. And if I'm distracted, if I have something else going on, I, I just don't hear it. Mm-hmm. And my kids we all the have same those way. moments. Want to encourage them and, and let them know they're they're not alone either. Um, and I, I want to be uh, someone that if if they need somebody to talk to, uh, they could give me a call. Uh, and uh, uh, my wife also, uh, so we we can just kind of support them uh, uh, that way also. Because I know I know it gets stressful, and sometimes you need 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 somebody just to talk to. Uh, and I, and I, and I'd like to be that for, for, for the foster parents. Well, good deal. Yeah. Because that's something that, that does for sure get, get stressful in all of our lives. Because as you do, as you step, find yourself stepping onto a journey like this, if you don't already have a support group of people around you who can, who can talk to this, this journey, you don't have anybody who knows how to help you. And man, it is a long, quiet road by yourself yeah, doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, after the kids, uh, after the kids make the backboards and everything, we'll uh, post them online and uh, uh, kind of hopefully make it uh, a, a Facebook community uh, where the where they can where the, the kids can get on there and say see see some of the some see their backboard on on a uh, get some recognition basically for for their talents because uh, I feel like a, a lot of these kids once you tell them to get creative. Uh, there's no telling what, what, where, where it can take them and, and what they can come up with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, tell everybody again, what's the best way to find, find your group online? What's the name of your, your group on Facebook there? Uh, my, my Facebook page is uh, out of the woods, double O T W O O T W at uh, Facebook at, or double O T W creations at facebook.com. I said that right there. Is that it? Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> she, she's the one that does all the Facebook page. My wife does. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it on there. Double OTW uh, creations at uh, Facebook.com. All right. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm sure we'll find that. Now there'll be a link in the show notes to that. So people can all find that real easy because I think okay, that's, thank um, you. that's, super important for people to be able to find you. And is that the best way for people to get a hold of you as well? If they want to find out about what you're doing and whether or not, you know, if, if they're in the area and they want to connect with, uh, with one of your events. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. That's uh, that's the way to go. Just uh, email us and uh, we'll get back to you. And uh, uh, we're, we're fixing to start. Uh, I got, I got my finger, uh, fingerprints done and everything. So I'm fixing to start uh, going into the homes and, and really getting busy on uh, making some of these backboards. So we'll have lots of content on there uh, shortly. So awesome. All the stuff, all the stuff that's on there now is mainly what I've made. And I've got a couple on there that I've, I've done with the, some of the kids. So. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. I just want to thank you for coming in here and telling your story to to the nation because as much as there is shame wrapped around it all in the background, we all know that telling that story and being vulnerable and reaching out to other people is the only way that we make this a better world. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank you for 
for allowing a, a, a podcast to, to be able to do that. I love your show. Listen to it every week. And I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, your show is actually uh, kind of what, uh, what uh, got me to uh, uh, kind of sh- be bold enough to, to share my story here and some of the, some of the people talk on your, on your show. And I really appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm glad it's helped because that's the whole reason we're doing this. Okay, Foster Care Nation, thank you for listening to Darius' story. Now take his knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you would like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at fostercareuj at gmail.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. Don't forget, we have a Patreon where you can support us at patreon.com for as little as $5 a month. It's patreon.com slash fostercarenation. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled Studios. Studios.